Thank you, Jesus, for your grace. Thank you, precious Holy Spirit, for your power. Thank you, God, for your presence. Thank you for your anointing. Thank you for truth that dwells in the midst of us. Thank you, Father, for the fragrance of your spirit. Thank you, precious Holy Spirit, because this is the day that you have made. And in the heavens, this is recorded um, as the day that we'll be glad, as a day that we will rejoice. Father, we bless you. Father, we give you praise. Lord, we purge our hearts this morning of everything that stands in the way of your truth. We purge our hearts this morning of anything that stands in the way of your truth. We ask precious Holy Spirit that our hearts be open to receive your word, to receive your direction, to receive your truth in the name of our Lord Jesus. God, just, just like the song says that you would lead us, oh God, where our trust is without borders. Let us walk upon the waters, oh God, wherever you will lead us. Take us deeper than our feet could ever wander, and our faith will be made stronger in the presence of our Savior. Amen. Our God, we ask that you will stretch the borders of our faith this morning, that Amen. you will lead us to places in the realm of the Spirit Amen. that we never could have imagined we could have gone to, we never could have imagined we would have been able to engage with. Father, we ask that in the midst of this journey of faith with you, O oh God, that you will stir us up, that you will worship us, O oh God, Amen. That you will show us great and mighty things, Father. Amen. Oh, that you will show us great and mighty things, oh Amen. God. Father, we just position ourselves, oh God, to receive of you. We position ourselves to be touched by you. In the name of our Lord Jesus. Amen. Show us great and mighty things. 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 My God, show me great and mighty things. Show me great and mighty things. Show us great and mighty things. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Um, so we thank God for this morning and for everything that he has already begun to establish in the midst of us. And remember yesterday we began with the attack of compromise. And uh, we said that we're going to continue uh, today. And yesterday, um, God laid a foundation for us uh, by looking at the story of um, David. But before we went into the story of David, we first went into um, the beginning, Genesis chapter 1, um, 2 and 3. And we just began to look at the whole interaction between Adam and Eve. And we began to look at the whole concept of deception and how deception works. And we began to look at deception and truth as two um, different realms of experience and two different realms of existence and how mankind was pulled out of the realm of truth and lured into the realm of deception. And we began to speak about the, the foundation and the root of it all and how it begins with a conversation. And we began to speak about the distilling of good to evil. And we looked at the fact that it is not good and evil that was written. It is the good to evil, almost as though it's an interval and how um, 
in order to be able to distinguish it, distinguish it, saying that both of them are in the same fruit, you need what in the Hebrew word is called bane, but the meaning of bane is discern. And that was what um, Solomon asked God for in, sec- um, in First Kings 3 or Second Kings 3, what Solomon asked God for when he said, when God said, you know, what, what is it that you want? And he said that you would give me, you have given me a heart of wisdom, but I pray that you would give me the discernment to be able to distinguish between good two evil and so basically what good to evil um needs in order to distill it is is bane it is a kind it's a certain kind of discernment um to know the distance the interval between it and we began to look at why knowing the interval between it is necessary you, you know because um in the world in which we live good doesn't always appear to be good and evil doesn't always appear to be evil but for a man to be able to um, stand in the truth of God and not compromise your your position, you need to know um, what the you need to be able to descend between the two. And so we're, we're looking at all of that, and we then moved into David and and the compromise of David, and we began to look at what um, transpired and the foundation behind um, him actually laying with Bathsheba, and we looked at the fact that it, it was at the time when kings were meant to go to battle, in the times when kings were meant to go to war, and David stayed behind. That was when David um, saw Bathsheba and you know, he, he got into this compromise with her. But in the midst of looking at all of that, we, we touched on Joab and we touched on, you know, the mighty men of David and how the mighty men of David were transformed and how Joab was raised, you know, in the midst of this season of David as, as Ziklav, at Adulam, at Hebron and, you know, all of that. But how in the time when David should have been the one to lead the war, David told Joab to go for him. And it was in that season that he saw Bathsheba from his rooftop. And I was saying that I'm sure that was not the first time that David was walking on the rooftop, but for the first time, David saw this woman um, in a way that he had never seen her before. And he's like, who is that woman? You know, and how him not being in the right place at the right time and how him compromising on the on the on the responsibility of a king which is to go to war um exposed him you know into a position where he began to see differently and i spoke about what the rooftop you know represented and how you know um even though he he didn't go to war when he was supposed to go to but yet david was still walking on the rooftop he had overview over the city he could still see you know people's houses and see the expanse of the land and all of that and how sometimes you know we still have a vantage point of sight even though we have already entered into compromise and how that in itself becomes the very thing that hardens the heart of some people to think that you know what it, it might be well with me you know um, if I can still see, if I can still prophesy, if I can still have revelation and stuff like that, and how that is not necessarily the mark that you are right with God, and how there are some subtle things that, you know, the Lord lays it in your heart, and you just know that this is the will of the Lord, you know, and so at this point, we began to pray for truth, we began to pray for the entrance of truth, we began to pray for the shifting from the realm of darkness into the realm of light, and we began to, you know, expunge from within us every darkness that we have permitted to lurk in us for some time, you know, and so it was such a powerful time yesterday. I remember I had said that um, this season is going to be the season of great revealing. 
and how God was going to be revealing um, a lot of things to us. And so yesterday, uh, people sent me different messages about how, you know, in this season of prayer ring, God has helped them to discover certain things and God has exposed things um, from stuff to do with their spouses, stuff to do with their jobs, stuff to do with their family line, you know, stuff to do with um, business and all of that, and how God is exposing different people, you know, staff that live with them at home. And I'm like, yeah, absolutely, you know, because the truth is when you when you set the bush on fire, the snake will begin to jump out, you know, whether you're ready for it or not. So it is not about lighting fire. It is about getting ready for what comes out of, of the fire when you light it. And so that's part of what is going on here as we begin to light the fire of God upon this altar and as we begin to set our lives on fire. Things will begin to come out, things will begin to emerge, things will begin to show forth. So the question is, are you ready? Are you ready for the things that God will be bringing out? Um, you never know what he's going to cause to emerge in the midst of it. Um, so we need to get ourselves ready and we need to consistently ask the Lord to make our hearts ready, make our hearts ready for whatever it is that he wants to reveal to us. Because it is not about an encounter. It is not about um, a revelation. It is about your response to it. How are you responding um, to the things that God is saying to you, to the things that God is revealing to you. You know, how are you responding? In Habakkuk 2, um, the prophet began to say, I am going to stand on my watchtower so that I will see what he will say to me and how I might respond. So Habakkuk began to help us understand that it is not just about sight. It is not just about seeing the way God sees. It is very important to be able to see the way God sees. It is very important to be able to come into truth and to be able to break the hand of deception and coming to clarity and understanding. But Habakkuk said, you know what? I just don't want to see how he sees, but I need to know how to respond accurate, how I might respond, how I might respond. Your response is as important as what you see. And I found out that many times as believers, we see things, but we don't respond right. And uh, he said, you know, that I am, I respond, you know, and he began to speak, you know, about what the Lord said to him. He said, write the vision make it plain so that they that see it might run with it. And so Habakkuk began to help us understand that there is a place of clarity. There is a place of, uh, of recording. There is a place of, you know, breaking it down in simplicity, um, in a simple language that is expedient for there to be momentum coming out of what you see. And so Habakkuk began to show us that it is important that for everyone that receives revelation and everyone that receives clarity and everyone that receives instruction, from God, you must be able to distill what you have received to the point where it, it becomes clear to anyone else that hears it and anyone else that sees it because the revelation of the Lord is made to not only bring momentum to you, but it is made to bring momentum to all day that read it, all day that hear it, all day that listen to you. So part of the responsibility that we have in this season is that as the Spirit of God begins to speak to us, as the Spirit of God begins to engage with us, 
here on the on this prayer call and outside of this prayer call we must be able to take the things we have heard and record them and you know and write them down and expand on them and break it down because the lord um uh, the lord speaks and the voice of the lord is is like um deep waters that's how the bible describes it the voice of the lord is like deep waters but you know the voice of the lord is like the reverberating and the and of an echo and you know the way that an echo just goes over and over and over again and you just keep hearing it in phases that's how the voice of god echoes through time and so when the lord gives you a word the lord has got many parts of that word that he wants to open up and he wants to unveil almost like a russian doll and you know god wants you to but you need to engage with the word you need to engage with the word for it to open up to you for it to increase for it to multiply in your hand so that instruction that you receive from god have you taken the time to expand on it have you taken the time to unveil it have you taken the time in prayer to open it up so that you will see what the lord is saying and so i pray for you in the name of jesus this morning that god will give you the capacity to break normal to go past what you are used to to go past the usual to go past um what you have engaged before i pray that god will give you the capacity to change your mind to change your understanding to change your expectations of him and your expectations of the people places um, and opportunities that he has given to you i pray that irrespective of how hard it may be that the lord will help you to be able to sustain the momentum of his spirit until you arrive at change in the name of the lord jesus because in this season we are piercing the darkness we are breaking through the barriers we are pushing past every kind of limitation i pray that the spirit of god will give you the grace to push to push to push to push to break down every wall of deception to break down every wall of limitation in the name of the lord jesus that in this season you would arrive at the fullness of the grace and the glory of god that every single thing that god has reserved for you that everything that God has, you know, uh, separated for you that you would arrive at it in the name of Jesus. Oh, I pray that the Spirit of God will give you the strength. The Spirit of God will give you the strength to be able to engage with Him consistently, to be able to engage with Him on a daily basis. The strength to wait on God, the strength to wait on God, the strength to sustain your encounters with Him. In the name of Jesus, even when it does not make sense, the capacity to trust God and to trust in the Lord. In the name of Jesus, therefore, this morning, we decree and we declare that our eyes are covenanted to God, that our hearts are covenanted to God. We decree and we declare that we are broken, broken off any kind of chain and any Amen. kind of limitation that accompanies Amen. a previous conversation yes. of wrong Amen. or a previous conversation of deceit and a previous conversation of darkness. God, we break it in the name of Jesus. Amen. 
Everything else that had covered, has covered us in the past, everything that has covered us in the past, that is a limitation towards God this morning, we break out of them in the name of Jesus so that we may emerge, so that we may come into the fullness of God, so that we may come into the strength of God, so that we may engage God on the level in which He engages us. In the name of Jesus, we break and we break forth and we come into the fullness of the manifestation of the Spirit. We decree and declare that the limitations of hell have broken up us in the name of Jesus. We stand on the plane of truth. We stand on the plane of truth and we exist in the realm of truth. In the name of Jesus, the Lord opens our Amen. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. In the name of Jesus. Um, before we go on, um, I just wanted to say there is something called prayer rally. Okay, we do. Um, when we do the prayer rally, what it is that we do is um, we, we pray for 24 hours. So like when we get on this prayer call and we start praying um, at, at um, 6, we start praying at 5.30, we will pray till 5.30 the next day, you know. So what's going to happen is, you know, we'll have different people taking different slots or sometimes, you know, taking someone taking more than one slot. And sometimes maybe I will take like this morning up until seven o'clock and then I will come up again maybe at 12 and I'll come up again at three or six and at 12. But, you know, in between, we are all praying and we are all people are leading, you know, in the same direction and taking different slots. Um, so we're going to be having the, 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 the prayer rally on Friday. Um, but, but while we're praying, I just felt, Pastor Stephanie, like we should have the prayer rally on Wednesday and on Friday. And so we're building the momentum in the realm of the spirit and we are keeping the, the fire on this altar burning even stronger, burning even stronger. And because what the enemy seeks to do is that when you arrive and you know, it's all part of the attack of compromise, um, when you arrive um, at a certain stage of progress in God, um, the enemy would want to come to you to make you feel like, you know, you haven't really done much. You really haven't accomplished much. So um, you must be at a place where 
you know, you're, you're, you're fire, you're going high, and, you know, you're, you're, you're maintaining that pace of, you know, um, going up in the spirit, and then you accelerate again, and then you accelerate again. So you must keep keeping the, the charts, you know, going higher and those, those stages of, you know, just great thrusting, you know, so we must thrust, we must thrust at least twice before we end um, the prayer call. So get ready. Um, so what, what happens in the prayer rally is you may be at work, you may be in your car, uh, you may be cooking in your kitchen, um, you know, whatever it is, as whenever you you can, as much as you can throughout the day, you just have your ears plugged in and key into prayer. And you are just consistently consistently praying in the spirit. You're consistently going through scriptures. You are consistently, remember, this is the month of January, and we're consecrating and we are dedicating it to God. Um, this is this is what we are doing in this month of January, pretty much. So even though we are engaging with the normal things of life, we have positioned and we have postured ourselves um, in a way where we know that every single thing um, that we do in this month revolves around prayer and fasting and waiting on God and sitting with and in his word um, so get ready for the rally and the next thing I wanted to say is uh, while we were praying I, I saw two images I saw the like like you know an animal you know when the bed breaks out of the egg you know and um, it hatches hashes I mean hatches as as they would say, uh, I kind of felt like, you know, there were people in the realm of the spirit that were kind of like that, and they were being born, and they were breaking out of, you know, that, just that shell that has held them for so long, and, and the shell that, you know, sometimes the enemy gives you a false comfort, and you stay in that place of, you know, false comfort, but the thing about the egg is, the moment the, the, the animal reaches the point where it is meant to come forth, it breaks the egg, and it just begins to emerge, and so so I feel like, you know, there are people that the enemy had kind of stunted your growth so that you never arrive at the point where you are able to break the egg and come forth. But in this season, I just saw people breaking out of shells and they were coming out and they were coming forth. And so what is that going to look like? It may look like you um, now having the courage and the audacity to challenge the things that you never challenged before. It may look like you having the courage and the audacity to ask the questions that you never asked before. It may look like you um, being able um, to do the things that you never could do before, to be able to put in proposals that you previously were afraid to put in. Uh, but in this season, people are breaking the shell and emerging on the other side with strength and capacity. Um, the second thing that I saw is something I have thought about before, but I don't know if I've taught it. I don't think I've taught it here during this prayer ring. It is a, is the concept of the seed, and you know part of the things that happens with a seed when you when you plant a seed in the ground is that the seed has got um, what is called the seed coat, and you know the seed coat is what surrounds the seed. So when you plant the seed and you put it in the ground, initially, the seed receives water via the seed coat. And so the seed coat is this thin layer that covers the seed and every nutrient and every water and everything that the seed needs um, to be able to function and to grow within the first stage of germination in the ground, he receives via the seed coat. And so the seed coat becomes a layer of protection 
and it becomes a layer of supply of nourishment also. But there is something that happens, but within this, within the seed um, is also um, um, the fabric of regeneration is, is an embryo. And within the embryo is where you have the shoot system and the root system, and it's all within the seed. Um, I'm so, but you see, you don't see the shoot and the roots anytime while the seed yet has the seed coat uh, because the seed coat is covering it. The seed coat is doing the job of the root and the shoot. But there comes a time in the life cycle of the seed that the seed coat has got to break. And when the seed coat breaks, until the seed coat breaks, when the seed is in the ground, the shoot does not go up and the root does not come down. In fact, the root goes down before the shoot can emerge. And so um, I, I, I saw this image once again of the seed and the seed coat in the ground. And I perceived in my spirit that the Lord was speaking about the lives of some people and how some people are like seeds that have been planted by God. And you are certain that it is the Lord and you have gotten revelation, you have gotten prophecy, you have gotten confirmation through scriptures and through all the forms. And the Lord has planted you in places and the Lord has planted you in seasons and the Lord has planted you in families and the Lord has planted you in industries. But it seems like, you know, your, your seed coat has never broken. So you have never entered into a season of self-sustainance and self-fulfillment you know, and establishment because your root is what establishes you. Your root is what keeps you connected for sure and grounded into the place where you have been planted. So if you, I feel like the Lord began to show me this image because he began to say to me, it is time for the seed coat to break. It is time for the seed coat to break. The seed coat may be a, a, a political godfather. The seed coat may be a, a job that has sustained you for long. The seed coat may be um, a, 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 you know, a way in which you have handled the affairs of your marriage. It is a protection mechanism and it is a feeding mechanism. But there comes a time in the life of the seed where the shoot must emerge, the root must emerge, which is a more stronger um, um, connection and it is a much firmer connection. And it is the time where the seed begins to feed itself and it's able to receive more water, it's able to receive more nutrients because as the seed grows, the seed coat is not able to, to, to take in as much as the seed needs anymore. The seed coat becomes insufficient to meet the needs, the nutrients and the water needs of the seed. That is why the shoot must come out and as the root begins to come out, the root must come out and as the shoot begins to come out, the shoot begins to connect with the sun and the air and everything that is outside. And so there are some people that their seed coats need to break. It, it is the system by which you have operated previously. It is the mindset you have held on to for so long and it has sustained you and it has helped you arrive at some point of promotion. But the Lord is saying that where you are going to and where you need to arrive at, that this seed coat needs to break. It needs to break. It may be a system of even spiritual feeding that you have had for long. And the Lord is like, this has sustained you thus far. But if you are going to become the tree that he has called you to be, if you're going to emerge, if you're going to become the global voice, if your business is going to be positioned as a vehicle, a global vehicle, if you're going to be able to arrive and break out of the soil of hiding and break out of the soil that has shielded and covered you for so long, your seed coat needs to break, your seed coat position needs to break. You need to be able to accommodate the fact that there is more in this soil. There is more in this soil. There is more in this soil. You cannot continue in the way you have been all this while. Something has to break out of you. Your roots has to come out of you. And so in the name of 
Jesus, Father, we begin to pray. Let everything that has covered us in the that is insufficient to be the needs of our presence. Oh, Father, my God, let the seed coats break. Amen. The seed coats break. Amen. Let them break. Father, we are grateful for the season of the seed coats. We are grateful for how far we came with the seed coats. We are grateful for how much we achieved with the seed coats. We thank you for the wisdom of the seed coat. But God, we also receive the wisdom of the roots. We receive the strength of the shoots. Lord, we pray that you will help us to be able to make the necessary transition, oh God. Amen. To the new kind of establishment in the Amen. name of Jesus. Amen. Help us to make the necessary transition. Help us to make the necessary transition. Amen. Oh, in the name of Jesus. Amen. There is a scripture that says, Except a corn of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it abideth alone. But when it does, it brings forth much fruit. Except a corn of wheat falls to the ground and dies. You know, it is in that time of the seed dying 
that you know it goes to the season of being fed by through the seed coats and then in what seems like the dying of the seed there's the breaking of the seed coat and that is when the root system and the shoot system is begins to emerge the thing about the root and the shoot is that it, it is more systematized the thing about the root and the shoot is that it comes into a place where it seems like things are automated and you are able to achieve a lot more because there is a system in place god is breaking you out of um seemingly asking for daily bread or, or seemingly saying oh god this is how far i can accommodate and just merely stumbling into the goodness of god and merely stumbling into receiving things from god and just sitting with the crumbs of god god is breaking you out of that and god is bringing you into a system of abundance into a system of supply into Amen. a system of nourishment so that yeah. that which seems like what we seem like a manual source of supply becomes a, a, a systematized way of receiving and coming into abundance. God is breaking you out of, you know, SNE, Christianity, small, medium scale kind of engagement and, and spiritual enterprise. And God is breaking you and breaking you into building um, um, great structures by which legacy is established in the realm of the spirit. I just see it. I see it. I see people definitely from the point of becoming like small businesses and kiosks in the corner and you are breaking into building spiritual enterprises and you are running with systems in the realm of the spirit, automated systems, system of revelation, the system of vision, the system of encounter, the system of truth, the system of grace, the system of peace the system of holiness, the system of courage and audacity. I see people connecting to systems in the realm of the spirit and I see you becoming like a tree that has got all kinds of system running inside of you and you are able to understand the sea, the system of seasons and you are able to engage with the systems of seasons accurately and then you are able to engage with the systems of power and strength and the system of dominance and, and, and regeneration and generation. I see people rising into becoming mighty systems in the realm of the spirit. I see the eyes of people being open to see themselves for who they are, to understand what the order of the spirit is like. I see people rising up from the place of only worshipping God and not understanding who God is in them. I see you breaking out and breaking into the revelation of who you are. I see people rising into engagement from the first heaven and pushing past the second demonic level to the second heaven and arriving at the third heavens. I see people coming into revelation. I see people coming into power. I see people coming into truth. I see people coming into the strength of their offices as kings and as priests. I see it happening. I see systems being raised up in the realm of the spirit. I see people arriving at they themselves becoming system because the same way that we have um, different people who became systems in the realm of the spirit. I see people becoming systems. Amen. Amen. I see people becoming sisters. The way that we speak about Melchizedek, and we say Jesus came after the order of Melchizedek, and we also have been born into the order of Melchizedek. And Melchizedek was both a king and a priest, and he operated within a system of, of yes. being able to engage both offices together in the same way David had the same dexterity of spirit, where David was over able to offer spiritual sacrifices unto God, but at the same time, David was able to war as a king, he was able to give right uh, or release policies as a king, he was able to expand the kingdom as a king. 
Melchizedek was a system of operation. David also became a system of operation. And Jesus is born after the order of Melchizedek and as a seed mm. of David. I see men arriving at understanding mm. the systematic um, operation and standing of the realm of the spirit. Mm. I see people beginning to grasp. You will be walking on the street. You will be writing at your desk and it will dawn on you. I pray that the Lord opens the heaven over your mind. I pray that God opens the heavens over your mind. And your mind will break out of the seed court place where you are waiting for Sunday morning sermons. And your mind will break into the place where root begins to come out of your mind. Where your mind becomes rooted in Christ and Christ alone. So that you are constantly receiving resources and nourishment from Christ. Irrespective of where you are or irrespective of what you are doing. I pray that your eyes open and you begin to see the realm of the spirit consistently. You see the parallels as you engage even in the boardroom, as you listen to the physical conversations, you also be listening to the spiritual conversations. The ability to engage with both the realm of the spirit and the realm of the physical at the same time. In the name of Jesus. Amen. <laughs> Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. During this time of prayer, rain. When you arrive at a point of, I mean, you experience the power of God and you experience the highs of the spirit. But when you arrive at a point where you begin to feel vulnerable and you begin to feel like, you know, um, something inside of you, you begin to feel vulnerable. I feel like, yeah, but I'm praying, but I just experienced something so powerful. Why am I having this feeling? I needed to understand that every season of transition is always accompanied by the feeling of vulnerability. So when you are transiting and when you are moving to the next level and when God is breaking the seed coat over you, um, it, 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 you, you have that feeling and that sense of vulnerability and you don't have that sense of strength. And it's usually the time where you feel like going back and rejoin into old habits and old things that you were doing before you arrived at the strength of the fast. You need to understand that it is not about starting. It is not about beginning. It is about sustaining. You must sustain the momentum of what you began in the spirit. Even mm. when it doesn't feel like it, even when it doesn't feel like um, it's working anymore, stay there, stay there, stay there. It's about persistency. The Bible says when Christ returns, will he find faith on the earth? So what he's looking for is not people who are born again. What he's coming back to look for are people who persisted in faith. They remain in faith, irrespective of what came against them. It's about the persistency of your faith. Remember that because um, um, Jesus is coming back for the... Um, 
the full corn in the air. And basically what he says is that he plants corn in the ground, but he's coming back to look for the the, the, the corn that looks like what was planted so he plants a seed of salvation in you but he's coming back to look for christ because salvation is the seed christ is the fruit christ is the fullness of it so when it's planted in you salvation is meant to open new doors and new places inside of you but it is the persistency of your faith that grows what you received as salvation and deliverance from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light it is the persistency of your faith that grows it into becoming the stature of christ the full stature of christ so where it is no longer conversations about am i saved or am i not saved but it now becomes conversations about building the kingdom because you have arrived at the stature of christ the maturity the understanding of the ways of the kingdom of god so christ is coming back to look for the people who have been persistent in their faith until the point of arriving at the full stature of christ and this is why you must stay persistent even in this place of the fast stay persistent Stay persistent, stay persistent. For some people today will be more difficult than it has ever been for you. But stay persistent, hold on. Don't go near that fridge. Don't go near that food. Don't go near that TV. Don't go near that gossip conversation. Don't go near that argument. Don't go near that um, demonic conversation. Remember that Satan is trying to lure you into so that he can now birth uh, um, uh, um, a thing that will now begin to attack you throughout the day. Don't go near it. Stay persistent. Stay persistent in the spiritual reality that Christ is bringing you into. Stay persistent. This is how men grow. And like I said, I saw people becoming, um, receiving, like the way that you, you go from the manual operation of the seed coat and you then enter into the system of root and the system of shoot. You know, I saw people breaking out and your spirituality entering into the realm of system. You know, and God began to show people things and God began to reveal things to them. I see you coming into it in the name of Jesus. And I pray God helps you to stay persistent past the place of the breaking into the place of the system in the name of our Lord Jesus. And so as we spoke about the attack of compromise, we began to look at the story of David and Bathsheba. And one thing I need you to realize, um, there is a word yesterday that I did not talk about. And it's the word Mare. Um, and uh, is Mare Mara. I, I, sometimes I don't pronounce it well. It's a Hebrew word, and it's the word for um, to see. But this word was used a few times in the Bible. It's different from the word normal word to see, but mare is different. Every time mare was used, it was used in the sense of seeing beyond what is obvious into having insight of in, in a thing. So when you say, "Oh, and um, he saw a, a stone." On, on the well and he, he pushed the stone. That's not Marie. But every time that Marie or Mara is used, it was used for having insight and, and seeing beyond the obvious. So when the Bible says, as she saw that the fruit was good for food and profitable to make her wise, it wasn't the normal seed that she was seeing it all the time in the garden. It was Marie that it was that was used there. She she married the fruit and she saw beyond the fact that this is a fruit because she had been walking past that thing every day but on this particular day she married it and how did that happen the enemy said to her this tree 
Look at it again. And she looked at it again. And she had insight into the tree. That's why the Bible says she saw that it was good for food, profitable to make her wise. It was pleasant to the eyes. The fruit has always been there. In fact, the Bible actually recorded that, you know, the fruits in the garden were all pleasant to the eye. When the Bible describes the trees that God made, they said he made um, different trees. He made different fruits, which were, were, were pleasant to the eyes, which were good to see every tree that was pleasing to the sight. Genesis 2 verse 9, he said God created every tree that was pleasing to the sight. So all the trees in the garden were pleasing to the sight. But that particular day, she saw the tree differently. It was more pleasing than every other tree that was pleasing to the sight. It appeared in a way that she had never recognized it before. That is Marie. There were other times in the Bible where Marie was used. Um, it, it, it is in times like um, you, you see it in the life of um, Joseph. And, you know, Joseph, the word was also used for Joseph about Marie and how Potiphar's wife saw him, you know, that, had, you know, the, 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 way, um, the way Joseph was operating and he, she saw him, it was Marie, it was a different kind of insight she had into him and she wanted to take him for herself. Um, in the same way, uh, you see, uh, um, um, Potiphar himself actually saw Joseph and he handed his entire household to Joseph. So there were certain people who were married in scripture. And so you even look at um, uh, Moses and Moses' mother and the Bible says that she saw that he was a good child. Now it wasn't like she wasn't seeing other people or seeing other children, but there was an insight she had into um, 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 Moses' life that was different from just looking at a baby. It was like she could see inside of him and she realized that this is a destiny that is worthy of preservation and you know even from the beginning um jacob even loved joseph apart from his brothers it wasn't like he didn't love his other sons but he married the destiny of this one and knew that the salvation of his lineage was going to come from this child so he spent more time with joseph and he gave more to joseph um also abraham began to say that you know he didn't want to he was afraid and he he lied that um, his wife was his sister because he didn't want them to take an interest in him, to kill him because he knew that when they married he, um, his wife, when they go into another city, that they would want to take her from him. But if he said he was, she was his wife, they would want to kill him so that they could have her. But if he said she's his sister, they would just take her and, you know, uh, spare his life as a brother. But of course, that's not a good strategy, but he understood the concept of Mary. He understood the concept of seeing when they see that this person is valuable, this person has got something. But you see, the thing about Mary and the thing about um, all the different times when Mary had occurred in the Bible, um, what, what tends to happen is that you want to take it and eat of it for yourself. That, 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 is, that is the thing about Marie. Every time that word was used, humanity stretched forth its hand towards what it was seeing, towards what it married, and humanity wanted to take it for themselves and have it for themselves. Because the moment they realized the intensity of it and the goodness of it, it's like, I got to have this for myself. Another time when the word Marie was used was in a burning bush. When Moses married the burning bush, who goes near a bush that is burning? When you see some things burning, a bush burning, you run. 
to the other side. But the reason why Moses went towards the bush was because the Bible says he saw that it was burning, yet it was not consumed. He saw the burning of the bush differently and he went towards it and he drew closer to it. But the thing about marae is that when you marae a thing, you want to experience it, you want to touch it, you want to participate in it. But the thing about it is that you're stretching your hand to receive it might corrupt it. So that is why when Moses came to that point, the Lord said to him, take off your standard because this is not just another burning bush this is not just another thing that you can approach with your knowledge of your previous journeys you can't enter here with the same understanding that you used to have take off your sandals because this is holy this moment right here is holy don't try to talk about it don't try to present it to your friends and say look at what you think look at how it is no you cannot discuss this one this is marae this is a holy engagement that is happening right here and there are many times in our lives where we have a situation like the burning bush we have um, an occurrence happening and the way we're supposed to see it is not the way we use we normally see things god is supposed to give you or you are supposed to receive the lens of marae so that you can see it for what it is and not misinterpret it as every other occurrence and then engage it with your previous knowledge of the past you will corrupt it you will spoil it and it will eventually lead to your death it is not just about marae it is about the way you engage what you marry so there are people who have come into your lives and your life and you saw it you knew that this person carried something you knew that this person had an anointing you knew that this person was the one that god had positioned in your life to open the gates onto you you knew that this person carried the knowledge and the intelligence that you needed for the next level in your business in your life in your destiny in your marriage but the problem with it is that you stretch forth your hand to take it and to engage it in your own canality in your own um way your previous knowledge in the, in the way you believe things should be done and you corrupted what should have been an encounter that should have lasted for generations and the lord is saying this morning you must repent you must repent and you must go back to say lord remember the prayer how shall i raise this child Lord, how shall I engage with this thing? Lord, how shall I interact with this moment? Lord, tell me how I must carry this. The problem with Uzzah wasn't that God did not love him. The problem with Uzzah was that Uzzah was trying to interact with the ark the way that the Gentiles did. He was trying to interact with it in his own strength. And the Lord is like, no, you must call this holy. You must call this holy. There are, there, 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 are, um, there are steps and there are requirements and there are clear-cut sanctifications that the Lord requires of you for you to be able to carry a thing that you marry. The moment God gives you insight beyond the usual, the next thing you should ask the Lord is, how shall I engage with this? Show me, take me beyond what I used to know and help me to engage with it rightly. They always stretched forth their hands to take and it corrupted it. Now, why am I teaching you about the word Marie? Because we come back to the scripture that we were looking at yesterday and the topic of um, the attack of compromise. And here is David upon his rooftop using his vantage position to see the city, to see all that was laid before him. And here is David and the Bible says, and David married Bathsheba and David saw her and you know he saw the way that Eve saw the fruit 
But what did he do? He stretched forth his hand to take. He stretched forth his hand to take. Listen to me. I am very convinced. I'm of the school of thought that David was always meant to marry Bathsheba, but not the way that he did. Not the way he went about it. Because God, nothing takes God by surprise. And God is not trying to adjust to accommodate the mistakes of men. God already pre-calculated the mistakes and the right moves of men. That's why God said to you, I place before you life and death, but I will advise you choose life. So that means God has got all the options on the path of life already settled and all the options on the path of death already settled. There is nothing that comes to God by surprise. Any choice you make, God has already made room for it. So, um, I, I believe strongly that Bathsheba was always in the picture. But the question was, how would David engage Bathsheba? The moment he marries her, what would his move be? What would be the decision that he makes? And you see, here is the problem with compromise. Because it is not about seeing or not seeing. It is about how you see and how you respond to what you see. If Eve had gone back to God and said, Lord... There's a way I'm seeing this fruit that I, I did not see it before. You know, I, I'm beginning to see that it is pleasant to the eyes. I began, I'm beginning to see it is good for food and it is profitable to make one wise. How can you then tell me that this thing that is good for food, profitable to make me wise, that the day that I eat of it, that I shall die? My God, this does not make sense to me. If Eve had taken the conversation back to God, it would have been a moment of promotion for humanity because God would know that Eve was ripened and Eve was ready to be able to engage on the knowledge of truth and judgment. And then he would have begun to teach Eve things that she did not know before she married because the time of marriage is the time of the opening of your eyes. The time of marriage is the time of the breaking forth into another realm, another realm of of engagement the time of my reign is the opening of doors is the opening of season is the pulling back of curtains that signals to heaven that this one is ripening for the next level of authority and for the next level of engagement and for the next level of his kingship as a son my reign signals heaven that you can now see the same way that the moment a child comes to you there's a time when you were when when, when, when your child was younger you and your spouse may have issues and they don't notice and in the midst of a quarrel going on between you and your husband, they can enter in, into the room and say, oh, mommy, you know, I want this. And, you know, in the midst of a quarrel, because the child has not come into the point of marriage. But the signaling of the fact that this, my child, is coming into maturity is that he can now read the room. He can descend. He can see the things that are not obvious. He can hear the words that are not spoken. Marie, when your eyes are open. So if Eve had taken that moment back to God, it would have been a signal of her, uh, her coming into herself and coming into the strength of discernment. And then it could have triggered a new conversation between she and God. And God would have begun to explain to her the concept of death and what it means to be separated from him and what it means for life to begin to degrade as opposed to increase because you move in disobedience. So it wasn't about them seeing the fruit. It wasn't about them living around the fruit. It wasn't about them eating the fruit. It was about the way they chose to engage with the fruit. 
Will they engage with the fruit in obedience to God? Or will they engage with the fruit in disobedience and in their own fleshly desire? Because eventually they were meant to eat that fruit. If man was going to be a God upon the earth, then God expected man to be able to discern and to judge good from evil. It was always their inheritance. But the question was, how will they come into the season of their inheritance? Will they still hold on to God? Will they still go back to the God who gave them sight? Or will they choose to walk in their own strength? Marie, Marie the triggering of Marie is often the testing of a, a man's submission to God and a man's strength of obedience. So Moses, um, David is standing at his rooftop and he sees her all of a sudden he sees this woman like he has never seen her all of a sudden he realizes her beauty and realizes that there's something inside of this one because note but Sheba was the one that eventually gave birth to the seed that was worthy to sit on the throne of David this woman carried something inside of her this woman carried a presence. This woman carried a grace. This woman carried an anointing to give birth to kings. David saw it. So at this moment, he wasn't just looking at the wife of his soldier, Uriah. This moment, he was looking at the one who carried inside of her the seed, who carried inside of her the egg that was made to be fertilized to bring forth the one. David saw the connection between her and him. But the problem was David should have gone back to God. No wonder when the messenger came to God, when um, Nathan came, he said, part of the things he said to David was, ah, if you, should you not have spoken to me? Should you not have? So God's problem with David was not that he killed Uriah or he liked Bathsheba. The problem was, uncle, if you liked this woman, why didn't you tell me? Is there anything that you and I have not been able to discuss? Did I not kill Nabal so that you could have his wife? What is this one that you chose to handle yourself? I am saying this to you because as you grow in spiritual things, you begin to grow in discernment. You begin to grow in the capacity to see what others don't see. You want to ask yourself, just because you have insight, does it mean that it is your right to take the things that you see? It is not everything you see that you take. It is not everything that God exposes to you that is your right to have. It is not every time you see the weakness in a person that it is your responsibility to deal with it. It is not every time you see the brokenness in a system that means that God has called you to fix that system. This is the government of sight. Until you understand the government of sight, there is a tendency that you will get into trouble. And the problem with the mistakes of sight is that it affects generations. The very mistake that David made at this point in time it affected generations. Four of David's children actually died. And we begin to see the breaking down of the household of David. So even though she, is, she was right and eventually he had her and eventually she gave birth to Solomon, but it was now a broken picture that emerged from the life of David. It was not a David who had a life or a family or a lineage that was devoid of problems. You see his son raping his daughter and then you see his son killing one son and then you see his son trying to take over his stone, his son raping his cock. It, it became such a mess just from this moment of compromise. From this moment of compromise. So the things that you pray about and the things that you seek God for, 
you must also ask him for the government around sites. You must also ask him for the way you must manage the things that he reveals to you. Let us pray this morning. Ask the Lord, Father, as you show me, also teach me your government. Also teach me how to operate and navigate in the realms that you are pulling me into. Do not let me fall into corruption. Do not let me fall into that which will break me. That which will shatter, oh God, shatter me from within and even affect my generations. My God, teach me, teach me, teach me how to steward revelation. Teach me how to see what insight. Teach me how to come back to you. Teach me how to bring myself into subjection. Teach me how to operate in your government. My God, teach me. I hope you are praying this morning. I hope you are talking to God because the things I am teaching you in this season and the teach that I'm showing you in this season, I'm not just talking about provision. I'm not just talking about medicine. I'm talking to you about the realm of I am talking to you about the I God, show me. Show me. And help me. Help me to understand how to see what revelation with the I pray that God the Father I pray that he hears you today. Amen. And I pray that he helps you today. Amen. In Jesus' name. You know, I just need to share something real quickly. As we're praying, I, I began to see the bleeding hearts of some believers. And I began to see the bleeding heart of some people who are prayer warriors and intercessors. And you have known the Lord. And you have seen things in the spirit, but it has never translated into progress and increase and promotion. As a matter of fact, I, I see a woman crying, crying in her closet and saying, ah, but God, you showed me these things. I know I'm spiritual. I know that I know you, but why is it leading to the breaking down? Why is it still not producing the good that it is supposed to produce in this situation, in my marriage, in my life, in my children? God, why? Hear me. It is not just about sin. 
It is about knowing the policies around the things you see. And being able to withhold yourself from the pride of wanting to reveal that you know. Satan, in tempting Jesus, was not just tempting him with food or tempting him with life and death, suicide, or tempting him. No, no, no. That, that, there was something beyond those temptations. The things that Jesus conquered was beyond, um, oh, I'm hungry, I want to eat bread. It was, all, it was conquering the need to use his strength to provide for himself. Because the Bible says he had fasted for 40 days. He had fasted for 40 days. He had fulfilled the requirements of the fasting season. So if you looked at it from the eyes of the flesh, Jesus was justified to turn stone into bread and eat. After all, I've done my six to six. Um, but you see, the, on the other hand, Jesus was also being tempted to want to step beyond the boundaries of God. So yes, he had fasted for 40 days and 49, but did he have the release of the spirit? If the spirit had not released him, it was not about 40 days or 40 nights. It is not about the principles of men or the legalities of administration. It is about the leading of the spirit. If the spirit was not releasing him, then he was not permitted to use his strength and his anointing to satisfy himself. Oh, jump from this high mountain. Oh, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. Jesus understood the difference between wanting to show miracles and to prove to the world in signs and wonders. He knew the difference between signs and wonders that brought conversion. He knew the difference between that and you actually tempting God to move when God did not want to move. He was a son of God. There was no way he was going to jump from the high mountain and the testimony, the eternal testimony of God in the flesh would have been that he committed suicide. Of course, God was never going to let that happen. So if Jesus jumped from that mountain, God would have caught him. But what Jesus would have done was that Jesus would have caused God to stretch forth his hand to do a thing that God did not want to do and God was not ready to do and God was not supposed to do in the eternal plan of man. Understand what I am saying and who you are. You are not just a person with needs on the earth. You are not just a person whose life and decisions has got no consequence in eternity. Every move you make, every decision you make, it reverberates in eternity. Hear me. This is why God is the one that knows when Jesus will come. Because God is the one that is constantly handling all the variables concerning the decisions of humanity. And he is the one that knows at what point there is the right balance and there is the tipping point in which when the Lord comes, there will be sufficient harvest for him. Every decision you make is either prolonging the time of his arrival or reducing the time of his arrival. You are a key component in the grand plan of God. It is not just about having power. It is not just about having insight. Do you know how to govern it? Satan took him and he showed him all the kingdom. In that season, Jesus married the entire kingdoms of the earth. He showed him the intricate details of power, of authority, of strength, of being a ruler, of dominion. Jesus saw it. Believe me, it is sweet to have influence. 
It is sweet. Do you know what it means for you to stand in a place and talk to people and everyone is taking in your words? It takes a certain kind of heart and humility or spirit to understand that it is not me. It is God and the Holy Ghost, not me. Jesus saw it. Jesus saw all the advantages of power. He saw all the advantages of authority. He saw what it felt like to be rich and wealthy and to never lack anything. Satan said, I can give this to you. But he held back because it is not about opportunity. It is not about opportunity. It is about power. It is about authority. It is about which kingdom is postured by reason of what you do with the opportunity. Just because you can see it doesn't mean it is yours to have. Just because you can understand it doesn't mean it is yours to reveal. Just because you know the consequences doesn't mean it is yours to settle. It is all about knowing the lines in the sand, understanding the boundaries of engagement, what is allotted to you and what is allotted to God. Know your place in the realm of the spirit and in the kingdom of God. The Bible speaks about the angels that are locked up in chains. The ones that are for judgment. It says these ones left their estate, their spiritual estate. They left the boundary. They left the place that God has set for them. And they broke the rule. And they entered into the realm of man. And they engaged with man in a way that God had not commanded them. He says for this reason they are locked up in chains. And they are going to be judged and thrown into fire. Why? Because they left the boundary. The problem with a lot of people is not the scene of commission. It is the scene of the breaking of boundaries. It is trespasses. It is trespassing. What does it mean to trespass? You enter a territory that is not yours to enter. Because the grace of God will only follow you within the boundaries of God. So the problem that many people are experiencing is that they trespass. So the question is, can God trust you with sight? Can God trust you with sight? Even though you see, you know where to go and where not to go. If God gives you sight, is it endangering your life? Is it endangering your salvation? So if it is, God may withhold it from you. This is why you come into the discipline of the spirit. Discipline is very important in the kingdom. Because a priest that is not disciplined is going to ask for the throne before it is his time. He's going to act like he's the king and try to exercise the authority of the king when a king is yet sitting on the throne. So it is not about inheritance, it's about discipline. It's about government, it's about order, it's about understanding what is yours and what is God's to operate in. I say this to you because we are talking about the attack of compromise. And the way many people have compromised is not even necessarily in sinning. It's not in the obvious sins. It is the sin that has to do with boundaries. That is where many people have compromised. David should never have taken Bathsheba for himself by himself. He should have allowed the Lord navigate the process of the death of Uriah and Bathsheba coming to him. And so I see that there are people who have spoken about things that they should never have spoken about. Yesterday, we were talking about the great revealing. When the Lord reveals to you, what would you do with it? 
There are some things that God will reveal to you, but he will not permit you to speak about it for one year. For two years, will you be able to wait? Do you have the discipline of spirit to wait on the Lord in spite of what you marry? This is why he said to, um, the God said to Moses to the burning bush, step back. Don't come any closer. Step back. Would you have the discipline to manage what you see, what the Lord shows to you, to wait on him for his guiding principle, for his order? Let us pray this morning. And also, I want you to pray that God will deliver you, that every mistake of judgment that you have made, by reason of the things that God revealed to you, that in this season, that God will have mercy on you, and God will restore. Amen. And ask the Lord to show you the way that you should engage with it, the right way. So that as the Lord restores and brings back opportunity to you, that you will do it right this time. Can Amen. we make that prayer? Just ask the Lord for restoration. For some of you, it is things that have to do with your marriage. One day you woke up and you married, you saw things and the Lord began to show to you the weaknesses of your spouse, the brokenness of your spouse. He began to show to you areas that needed to be, and you thought it was time for you to use your strength to fix it. But rather what happened was that you broke your marriage, you broke your home, you broke your vows because you got frustrated in the process of trying to change what was the Lord's to change. When the Lord causes you to marry a thing, sometimes what he needs you to do is to partner with him in prayer to, for him to birth it. Sometimes can the Lord trust you with secrets? with the secrets in the lives of people, with the secrets in systems, can you take the things that the Lord shows to you and process it in prayer as opposed to engaging it in your strength? What I am teaching you on this prayer call is not necessarily bread and fish. It's not necessarily the everyday doctrine and the everyday teaching. But I tell you, these are the things that will secure the borders of your life. They will secure the borders of your salvation. They will keep the hedges of your life built up so that the enemy cannot attack you and plunder you. Let us pray that the spirit of God will cause there to be a restoration. That God will begin to show you the areas where you moved ahead of him. And Amen. that the mercy of God will go before you. Pray, Amen. pray, pray, Father, pray. I'm not praying for you. That the mercy of God will be before you. And cause there to be opportunity for you to restore what was lost. For you to restore what was broken. God will give you the grace to be able to make the right decision this time. You and you wait in your own strength. Ask the Lord to wisdom. Ask the Lord to give you wisdom. Ask the Lord to help you. Openness of your flesh. Not to move in the brokenness of your people. So that the Lord will grace will be able to engage directly. That you will be part of the people that will be surrounded in heaven. Be the beauty of the people. 
I leave you with this. Every time people speak about the way that Elijah was taken into heaven, you often hear them say that Elijah was taken in a chariot of fire. But that is wrong. The Bible never said he was taken in a chariot of fire. The Bible says that Elijah went up in the whirlwind. Because Elijah, in the time when he was about to leave, the Bible says that Elijah said to him, he said, I want a double portion of what you have. Elijah kept trying to get Elisha to go back. Elisha was like, you know what? I'm not going to go back. I'm not going to go back. I'm not going to go back. There's a reason why I followed you for this long. I don't care if you're about to die. I'm going to take what you have. And he said to him, he said, what do you want? And Elisha said, I want a double portion of what you have. I want to be able to engage the way you engage. I want to see what you see. And Elisha, I can just, I can see the Lord in the midst of this thing I'm saying right now. And I need you to hear me, please. And Elijah said to Elisha, he said, Elisha, if you can see me leave, then you can have what I have. You would have said to yourself, what kind of requirement is that? Of course, he's going to see you leave. Even if you disappear, he's standing with you. He will see the point of your disappearance. But that wasn't what he was talking about. Because Elijah understood that the man called Elijah is many things. The man called Elijah, what he carries, the mantle upon his life, the way he operates. Elijah took Elijah to different places. And Elijah is like, what is this journey? Today we're going left, tomorrow we're coming right, next tomorrow we'll go here. Look, I will be taking, Elijah was like, if you like, cross the Jordan, I will cross with you. Remember, Elijah had no assurance of how he will come back because the Jordan was parted for them to go. But he still followed without assurance of how he will return. He said, you see this thing, I must get it. And he said, if you can see me, because Elijah knew that there will be a lot of distraction at the time of his departure. So, but Elisha, if you have the ability to see what needs to be seen, if you have the ability to not be taken by the chariot of fire, oh, that comes down, but to position your eye on me, because the Bible says that while they were speaking, a chariot of fire came and separated them. I don't think Elisha had seen a chariot of fire before that day. So it was possible for Elisha to have been taken by the chariot and turned towards the chariot. My goodness, look at chariot. But that wasn't what Elisha, even though the chariot of fire passed by them, Elisha still kept his eye on Elijah. 
Yes, this is the supernatural. Yes, this is powerful. Yes, this is great. Yes, this is what people live for and people are dying for. But Elijah, it is you that has the mantle that I need to operate here on earth. Yes, I see the chariots. Yes, I see something powerful. But even though my eyes are open to see multiple things in the realm of the spirit, I keep my eye on the one that I want. I keep my eye on the one that I need. And his name is Jesus. I keep my eye, Elijah, on exactly what I want. It is you and what you carry. The Bible says the child of fire separated them. While that was going on, that destruction was happening, that powerful thing was happening, a whirlwind came and Elijah went up in the whirlwind. And Elisha still kept his eyes on Elijah. That was when the mantle came down upon him. I need you to understand. You need to be able to see. You need to be able to funnel and sift through the distractions in the spirit. This is where your inheritance lies. This is where your strength lies. Where you can still walk in humility despite the things that you observe. And you can focus on what is needed per time. I pray that God helps you. Yeah. I pray that God kills the pride that comes with revelation. Amen. I pray that God kills that pride in you. Amen. So that you do not count yourself to be above your brothers and you get distracted and you do not have the humility that it takes to chase the revelation to the end. I pray that God will give you the humility to chase it to the end. Amen. I pray that God will help you that in spite of what you see in the flesh and despite of what you feel in the flesh, I pray that God will keep your eyes in the spirit. Amen. That you may respond the way that Jesus would have responded. Amen. So that you can come into authority. So that you can come into power. So that you can come into dominance. Amen. The Bible says that Jesus humbled himself Amen. to the end. And he humbled himself to obedience to the ways and the precepts of God. Even though he had power, yet he did not exercise it outside of the boundaries of the will of God per time. May the Lord teach you about spiritual boundaries. May the Lord teach you how to hold power, how to use power in the name of Jesus so that you can arrive at authority. Amen. May God bless you and keep you. Amen. May God preserve you. Amen. And if you are a man, I pray that God will give you the humility of spirit Amen. to learn Amen. how to establish the government of God in your home and in your marriage. Not Amen. lording it over the other, but in the realm Amen. of the spirit, understanding when and how to use the sword of your authority so that you will Amen. not end up breaking the one you were meant to build up. Amen. Amen. May God cause there to be a restoration of sons and priests. May God cause us to be the holy generation that built up the kingdom because our lives and our hearts are in complete submission to God. May you not break what you are supposed to build. May you not eat what you are supposed to plant. May you not scatter what you are meant to gather. May God teach you and may God bring you into the constraint of that comes with revelation in the name of Jesus. God bless you and keep you. And I pray that today, by reason of our prayers and our humility towards God, may God deliver you from the oppression you have been experiencing that came with boundary lines. Mercy of God, 
May the blood of Jesus restore you to safety. Pray that the consequences of the boundaries you had broken, let them stop today. Let them stop today in the name of Jesus. Speak for you and restore all that was lost. And may God grant you peace. May God grant you peace. So that you not be agitated in the days when God tells you to stand down. But you have patience and impatience and humility and bring the establishment of God's kingdom to the earth. Amen. 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 Amen.